Welcome to Crotchets and Quavers, the weekly podcast of the music program at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in downtown Fort Worth. I'm Jason Runnels, choir master of St. Andrew's, and today I want to discuss William Byrd's Ego Sum Panis Vivus. Before we discuss the piece, let me say a few things about the composer. William, William, William Byrd was born as an English Renaissance composer in the early 1540s. He studied with the famous Thomas Tallis in London before taking the position of organist and choir master at Lincoln. In 1570, Byrd became a gentleman of the Chapel Royal, where he was organist alongside his previous teacher, Tallis. Byrd was quite a successful musician, maintaining positions in society that allowed him to move freely about in spite of his religious stance. He was a staunch Catholic and never wavered. While yet in his thirties, he had Queen Elizabeth I included in his supporters. She granted he and Tallis a patent to print part music and line staff paper. He was scrutinized as persecution against the Catholic Church grew. Joseph Kerman points out that in addition to being a general supporter of the Catholic Church, he may even have harbored religious fugitives or given financial support to the cause. Today, his tumultuous religious past is only examined by students in academic settings, but his music is enjoyed by many. St. Andrew's Choir is particularly fond of his work. Egosum Panis Vivus sets a portion of Jesus' teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This takes place after he has fed the 5,000, so the topic of bread is heard throughout. Here we have the statement, Ego sum panis vivus, qui de cielo descendi, si manducaverit ex hoc pane, vivet in eternum. I am the living bread, which has come down from heaven. If any man eats this bread, he will live forever. In his setting, Bird focuses on separating the text into two sections. The first section deals with the living bread coming down from heaven. Within this section, Bird uses the music to reflect the text. As the voices sing vivus, Bird consistently uses eighth notes to indicate life until he reaches his first cadential point. Here the text overlaps panis vivus with qui di cielo, and Bird's harmony overlaps somewhat. Because this music is based in the Renaissance modal system, the establishment of traditional harmony is missing. Instead, Bird uses altered tones, sharpened or flattened pitches, to establish a pitch center. The first section centers on E-flat, while he slips briefly into B-flat at the overlapping passage. His emphasis on E-flat returns with all the voices singing the text qui de cielo descendi. Two musical elements are used to reflect the next portion of text. The return to E-flat, considered as a movement downward, mirrors the descent from heaven of Christ. At the same time, Bird uses an upward skip, spanning a fifth, sixth, or octave, to indicate heaven, followed by a descending line for the word descendi. The second section of music begins with a new pitch center, F. This serves two purposes. First, it clearly delineates between the two textual statements. Second, it moves the pitch up, representing the hope that exists in the eating of this bread. Bird's texture changes with this phrase as well, 
utilizing a more homophonic style rather than the previously seen polyphonic style. In this case, the text follows more closely the rhythm of the speech. The final phrase of text, vivet in aeternum, settles into the final tonal area of the work. Bird comes back to the B-flat pitch center for this short section and ends the work with a lively alleluia, giving only the tenors a rhythmically interesting line. Thank you for listening to this edition of Crotches and Quavers. I hope that you will join us next week as we examine Bach's Quia Respexit from his Magnificat. <laughs>